This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at standupwithatruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We've got a powerful podcast and a very important guest who was really, um, man, talk about her spiritual journey. Um, before we get to the topic, I want to read from 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and now is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. So, Father, give us discernment today, please, and wisdom, and we thank you, Lord, for another day to glorify your name and hopefully point more people to Jesus, and we ask that your truth would be proclaimed and that you would be uh, honored by what we speak about today and the truth that we declare, and we ask, Lord, that people always start with your word, and we love you, God. Thank you for giving us another day, and we love you. We thank you for your faithfulness and uh, we just um, are so blessed, God, to be able to talk about these things that matter. In Jesus' name, amen. Our guest today, Marsha Montenegro, is with us. She's a former professional astrologer and teacher of astrology and a former practitioner for many years of Eastern-type meditations, beliefs, including inner light consciousness, Tibetan Buddhism, engaged in various occult practices such as having a spirit guide, doing astral travel, and so much more. So today we're going to talk about Marsha's journey from being a professional astrologer to Christ follower, and we'll touch on some New Age practices. We'll get to yoga and the popular book, Jesus Calling, but we'll start with her background in astrology. Marsha Montenegro, welcome to Stand Up For The Truth. Hi, David. It's so nice for you to have me on. I, I, I look forward to our conversation. Well, thank you for your time. We're so blessed, and thank you for connecting with us in Virginia there. Um, your website, Christian Answers for the New Age, um, you guys need to look that up. We'll put the link in the podcast. But I read right at the, the top of your story, Marsha. You were involved with spirit guides, meditation, astrology, the higher self, raising the kundalini, developing psychic abilities, praying to gurus, astral travel, numerology, tarot cards, contacting the dead, hanging out with witches. I mean, there, it, it goes on. So <laughs> thank you so much for shedding light on the darkness all these years since you've been saved. And I've got your background here printed out in your story from your website. It's fascinating, and I encourage people to read it. But I know uh, they want to hear from you. What, how you got into this, all of these practices, and then how did Jesus reach you? If you could sum that up for us. Okay. Well, I am going to be summing up a lot. So I <laughs> encourage people <laughs> to read. My story is written, um, in more detail on my website. And so, um, I think it's called Strange But True, uh, Spiritual Journey. And I also have done, um, like whole hour segments on it on various you know, podcast or YouTube things, mm -hmm. so people who want more detail can search it out. Um, but yes, I uh, I was involved in that world for a long time. I had been exposed to, um, I guess you could say, to Christianity um, growing up off and on, going to various churches. Um, we moved around a lot, and um, my father was in the Foreign Service, so we lived overseas. So sometimes we went to... Um, Foreign service officers have access to the military bases. So sometimes, you know, we went to the Army, like in Berlin, we went to the Army Chapel, um, which had, you know, three services, Protestant, Catholic, and Jewish. <laughs> so, you know, it was kind of generic. 
Um, and um, I did get a little more involved when we came back to Washington, D.C. And I, I mean, I did stuff. You know, I went to Sunday school. I went to church. I went to youth group. But I just never, uh, for whatever reason, I never got the gospel. I never understood why Jesus died on the cross. And so I um, got interested in other religions. I had non-Christian friends. And I just decided that I would seek out my own you know, my own spirituality. Mm. And so that's what I did. And that led me on that journey into all those various areas that you listed earlier. Um, you know, what is, is called the New Age, which is really a patchwork of different beliefs drawing on different, different other religions and beliefs. And that led me to become an astrologer. And I, I uh, was very, um, I was very captivated by astrology. I, I had been since high school, and I felt that that was my calling. Um, I really identified with it. I spent a lot of time learning how to compute the chart and how to interpret. Hmm. Um, and it's actually a chart is really complicated because you're looking at so many factors in the chart, uh, and learning to put that together and then talking to a person about, you know, what their chart is saying. (laughs) So all of that took time to learn, but I did. Meanwhile, I also, you know, delved into other areas, and I had already uh, been involved with some Hindu beliefs, Tibetan Buddhism, and then finally Zen Buddhism, even before I started studying astrology. Hmm. So I was already involved in, in doing Eastern meditation, and some of the Eastern uh, teachings, especially Buddhist, were very dominant in my thinking. And I was so I was following that path, and then I was doing the astrology mainly, and I was very involved with that. And I, I taught astrology. I became president of the Astrological Society in Atlanta, mm-hmm. Georgia, and I um was totally sold out to it, basically. I <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, had a lot of clients. Um, I did not have a lot of money. I just, I, you know, people should know that people who do these kind of things actually don't make a lot of money unless they're, like, in Hollywood and they have, like, movie star clients. <laughs> 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 so, you know, in that case, yeah, yeah, you probably you would get some money, but, you know, you, you normally it's, it's you don't get get that much, but I still had a lot of clients. And I was totally, I was very hostile to Christianity. And uh, the, what happened was a series of interventions from the Lord in my life over a period of about eight or nine months. And it was, it, this was completely from the Lord because it, I didn't have conversations with, you know, I did have a conversation with Christians uh, one Christian at a place where I was working part-time, um, but it wasn't about spiritual things. So uh, I didn't have any spiritual discussions with Christians. Interesting. But, so these were this was all completely from the Lord, because wow. it just, you know, I, I was drawn to go to a church, which I battled. I, I didn't want to go. I finally went in the service. The very beginning, I felt God's love pouring down on me. And I didn't understand what was happening. Um, I didn't know why this was happening. You know, I was very confused. But I continued going to that church, and um, I just, you know, I was I was hearing scripture in the in the liturgy of the church that had kind of a formal liturgy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. I just, I, I there was this exposure to that. Uh, and that eventually led to me actually giving astrology up because I felt this God that I didn't really understand this God, but this God um, whose love I had felt was telling me to give uh, uh, astrology. He didn't like astrology, and I had to give it up. Um, and I, you know, now I didn't hear a voice. Um, you know, there wasn't a voice or anything, you know, a sign didn't fall from the sky that said, Marsha, give astrology. <laughs> it was just, I call it an impression because I don't know what else to call it, but it was this very strong impression. I mean, it was, it was so powerful that I couldn't, you know, like I couldn't, it wouldn't go away. It was constantly there. 
so I, I knew I had, I had to give it up. I mean, it just, cause this God did not like it. Mm. And, um, and this was of course something I loved. Astrology was something I loved and I had a lot of clients and, you know, I was writing for uh, new age magazines as well. Um, and I, so I did, I mean, I gave it up and I was like, okay, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen now. Um, <laughs> so I'm leaving a lot out here, but what that led what that what happened after that was I decided uh, to start reading the Bible. Hmm. And here again, I don't really know why. And I, there wasn't any strong, anything that happened that made me think I need to read the Bible. I just kind of thought I should for some reason. Wow. So I started reading um, Matthew, the uh, Matthew chapter one, verse one. I started right at the beginning of the New Testament and I just started reading a little bit every night. And that led to reading a passage in Matthew 8. Now, this happened about um, when I went into the church and felt God's love. That was Labor Day weekend. And so now um, we're at four days before Christmas, and I'm reading this passage in Matthew 8, and uh, God just opened my eyes, and I saw who Jesus was. And that, I mean, that was, that was it. I mean, that was kind of where everything came together for me. I realized who he really was, and I realized why he died on the cross. Because, hmm. um, you know, I'd always known since I was younger that he died on the cross. But, you know, like I said before, I didn't understand why. I mean, I heard why, but it didn't make sense to me, you know? Right. Um, my mind was just, you know, whatever for whatever reason was closed to that. And... I understood it, and I understood I had been going against God my whole life, and that I had been actually embracing a completely false spiritual, you know, religion or whatever belief system. And I just, I just turned myself over to Christ, and that, and that was the moment. You know, I, I am, I know, not everybody knows the moment that they became a Christian, and that's okay. Because I hear, you know, people will tell me they're worried, they can't remember a specific moment. And you don't, I don't think that that's necessary. I really don't. It's, it's what you believe now. You know, that's do right. you believe, you know, in Christ, you trust Him alone for your salvation and nothing you can do for that. And you have eternal life. So, that's what really counts, and and I think it may be gradual for some people, or they may believe have believed at a certain moment and not realized it, uh, especially if they were younger. But for me, I do know the moment, and that you know, and everything changed after that. Wow. So, um, I do want to mention that in that office I mentioned where I was working part time, and there was a, a, a young Christian man there. I found out later he had been praying for me with his young adult fellowship group at his church. Interesting. Well, yeah. that's that's probably one of the things that brought you to the Lord. Praise God. You walked into a church and you picked up a Bible. Um, Marsha, we all have different experiences, and yours is, to me, yours is pretty amazing because of how deep you were into these other uh, practices. And people are pursuing spirituality. They want answers. They don't understand eternity unless you read the Bible and really get an understanding from the beginning to revelation to prophecy and what we have to look forward to. But I want to ask you, you were born on Halloween. Is that right? Uh, yeah. That's, that's, to <laughs> yes, me, that's just fascinating. I was. It's, it's really kind of funny because um, this, what, this had a lot of, um, you know, um, Oh, I'm trying to think of the word currency yeah. <laughs> in the new age. Yep. And with my, my clients, I had a lot of clients who were witches and Wiccans and neo-pagans. And th- they always thought this was very special that I was born on that day. And the new, <laughs> new agers thought it was special too. Um, and, and it was significant because my son was also born on that day. Hmm, so, interesting. Wow. It, it, yeah. So. <laughs> And he wasn't supposed to be. He was two weeks early. So oh, that's fascinating. <laughs> it, was, it was a birthday surprise. <laughs> yeah. Well, my wife and and her mom have the same birthday. It's in December, oh, but her. Okay. So yeah, it's it's it does yeah. happen sometimes. It's a, it's it's a kind of unusual. Yes. And I think it was really unusual since I was born on Halloween. That yeah. He was born on Halloween, and then it was like you know, oh, this all has this meaning. You know, of course, in the New Age, everything has you meaning and all these kind of things right so um yeah that that uh that was a, an interesting 
thing that the Lord did having me born on that day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so Marsha Montenegro, we've got five minutes left in this segment. I do want to really focus on astrology in segment number two. And, okay. uh, Lord willing, we'll, we'll touch on yoga and that definitely a Jesus calling and the problem with that because it's so mega popular as a bestseller. But I want to ask you something that's, that I've been wondering about myself. I'm old enough to remember the song, uh, Age of Aquarius. And uh. <laughs> originally the, the term new age stems from a belief in this, um, astro- astrological age, right? The Aquarian age. How does that all tie in? Can you explain that briefly? Yes. Um, there are these ages that, that are to about 2,000 years long based on the movement of the North Pole and its orientation towards various constellations. And it moves um, very slowly, obviously, because it, it goes through one sign. It takes, you know, 2,000 years to go through one sign, and it's moving because of the way the Earth moves. In relation to the sky, it's moving, um, it's moving backwards through the zodiac. So it goes from Pisces, which is the last sign of the zodiac, the twelfth sign, to Aquarius, which is the eleventh sign. Um, so Pisces was supposedly the age of spiritual purging, uh, learning universal love, and this is Jesus is often seen as the avatar hmm. of the age of Pisces. I have an article on this on my website called "The Piscean Jesus." That was actually a paper I wrote in seminary. Hmm. Um, it was a seminary paper. <laughs> and so I, uh, you know, I, I, I modified it for my website. And Jesus identified with, with Pisces because he, it, the age of Pisces started around the time of Je- the birth of Jesus. And so now we're entering the age of Aquarius, or we have entered it. And the difference is that now supposedly... Um, we are going to have the outer teacher will be the inner teacher. So people will have their basically their own inner guru, you know, rather than seeking out gurus outwardly. You have your own inner guru. It's also supposed to be a time of a lot of innovation, technological innovation. Mm-hmm. It's a time of um, also, it's a, interestingly enough, it's supposed to be a time of asexuality. Like, um, not the differences in the genders are not supposed to matter as much. Wow. And we actually see that. That's interesting. And, you know, yeah. So, you know, people who believe in this and see these things going on in our culture say, see, this is really, you know, this proves that, you know, something like the age of Aquarius is true because we're seeing all this vast technological advances with all, you know, new stuff coming out all the time with, uh, computers and little tiny, I don't know, watches that you can do things with, <laughs> Google glasses or whatever. I don't keep up with all that. And then you've got the gender, the whole gender issue and people yeah. who are gender fluid, you know, so all of this seems to fit, you know, but I do have an article on the age of Aquarius on my website. And one of the things I point out there <clears throat> is that a lot of this stuff is actually stuff that goes back to ancient paganism. Um, the idea of a lot of gods, and this is still true in, 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 with some Hindu gods, that they have both, they have both sexes. Hmm. And so they're neither male nor female. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea of men being like women, I mean, these are things that, that we, you know, we know existed in some ancient, like, like, I think Greek, uh, some of it was in the Greek, you know, culture, um, and other ancient cultures. These, this kind of thing was already going on. So the fact that it's happening now, it's just happening in a new form, in a more contemporary, you know, kind of way. Um, but it's not really new. So, um, you know, that's one of the things I point out because otherwise people start thinking, wow, well, maybe there is something, you know, to astrology. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians actually think that. So. Yes. Yes, well, we're, we've got to take a break already, believe it or not. But okay. We, friends, uh, we are so blessed to be speaking with Marsha Montenegro. The website is Christian Answers for the New Age. We have it linked up along with a couple of the articles that we've touched on. You can read Marsha's story, find out what astrology really is, what is the age of Aquarius all about, and more linked up at StandUpForTheTruth.com in today's podcast post. We've got a lot more coming up on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here.
Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest is Marsha Montenegro, Christian Answers for the New Age. We are going to be talking a lot about astrology, horoscopes, um, Jesus Calling, and maybe get to yoga as well. And I wanted to start, Marsha, by asking you about something a lot of people do not have experience with, obviously, but you've had out-of-body experiences. And before we got back on the air, you were telling me that there are some, even in the church, that kind of justify that, thinking that uh, because of what Paul experienced, that this is okay. First of all, explain how you were just laying on your bed one day, and all of a sudden you were looking down on your body. How does that happen, and what was that like? Oh yeah, now that and that happened before I knew, it ha- before I'd ever heard of an out of body experience. That happened when I was in, in my senior year in college, and it happened during the day when I was awake. Wow! And I was just lying on my bed, resting, kind of between classes, and that happened. I mean, it was all of a sudden. Yeah, I was up overlooking, looking at my body, and I I was scared because I thought I had died. Wow. And um, so then I was sort of like slammed back into my body. And I just, I didn't tell anybody about it. Um, You know, I thought maybe people would think I was crazy or something. Or they would probably say, well, you just, you know, you just had a dream. But I wasn't. I was awake. And, um, you know, I I didn't make any sense of it for for several years until I, I guess I either heard about it or read about it in some of the stuff I was reading and then I, then I, you know, then I kind of, and I can't remember at what point that was, but mm-hmm. several years, a number of years later, this started happening to me, like spontaneously, um, and just I had no control over it. Wow! So um, it and, and it went on for years and years and years. I mean, it went on throughout my whole New Age life, mm-hmm. and it even started to happen a couple of times after I was saved. And and when I realized it was happening, I called on Jesus. I, I said, Jesus, please stop this. And then it would instantly stop. But it's kind of, it becomes this alluring thing because you feel like you're, um, it's, hard to, it's hard to say this. It's, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to articulate. You feel like you're becoming free. You feel like you're escaping some kind of limitation, you know, that you're just all of a sudden... It kind of like, you know, you become a bird and you can just go anywhere or something. You know, it's just a sense of freedom that you get with it. Hmm. Um, and now a lot of people have asked me, like, well, what do you think's really going on? And so I have, I've given this a lot of thought. <laughs> and, um, this is my view. Okay. So people can take it or leave it. I actually think it's some kind of demonic delusion. I do not think that you can actually leave your body until you're dead. Hmm. So I, I think it's a demonic delusion, and I think that people who actually maybe um, go somewhere and see something happening, like there are accounts of people who say, "Well, I was out of my body, and I was I was all of a sudden in my, you know, my mother's house a hundred miles away, and I saw her, you know, cooking this apple." pie and you know and and then they they may see details and then later they find out yes you know my mother was making an apple pie right at that time and i saw it now my my explanation of that is that you can see things like that you can know things like that at a distance from demonic powers and um because i think the spirit guides who are fallen angels and i had spirit guides um, give you that information, wow. and but you sense, you feel like you've actually traveled there. So my own view is that that is that is not biblically correct because from what we know in the Bible, the separation from the body is is death. Mm-hmm. And as far as uh, Paul's account in Corinthians, um, I think it's First Corinthians twelve, maybe um, something like that. Um, as far as that goes, one one thing he says is, I do not know if I was in the body or out of the body. Right. So he's not necessarily claiming to be out of the body, because he, he's basically saying he, do, he just doesn't know. He doesn't know what happened. I mean, this could have just been, you know, like a vision. Um, like we see with Ezekiel and in Revelation, you know, John sees things going on in heaven, you know. 
So, and, and, and Ezekiel sees these things. He gets these visions of other places. So we don't really know. <clears throat> and, and there's another, another reason that passage can't be used to support this. Whatever happened to Paul, God did it. Paul didn't try to do it. <laughs> Paul, if Paul didn't say, okay, now I think I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna try to go to the third heaven. <laughs> you know, and this just, this was something God did to Paul. Paul was the recipient of an action by God. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't seeking it out. And it was from the Lord. So God can do things that are obviously supernatural that we can't do and that maybe we aren't supposed to do. And God just decided to do that with Paul. And then, of course, Paul couldn't even talk about it. So, you know, it's a very, it's a unique case in scripture that had to do with an apostle that was initiated by the Lord yes. and, and where we don't really know what happened. We mm-hmm. actually do not really know. So we cannot use that as a basis for any kind of doctrine or any kind of reason to try to go out of the body. So I think even if it's true, if I'm right, that you don't actually leave the body, this is very dangerous because I think it is 100% demonic. There's nothing about it that's biblical. There's nothing that's spiritually healthy. I think that people actually who do this can get addicted to it. Yep. And um, then they just, you know, then it happens a lot, and you can actually encounter, um, you know, you can encounter fallen angels during these kind of um, uh, trips, if you want to call them astral travel. Um, and astral travel is very big in the occult. It's, yes. it's a big part of uh, certain teachings. There's a cult called Ekankar, and one of their main focuses is astral travel. Hmm. And so... Uh, this is this is something that's that's done a lot by people in the occult and the new age, or maybe not a lot, but it's it's there. You encounter the idea of it, and um, I think it's very dangerous because spiritually, it's 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 spirit it's a spiritual bondage. So Christians definitely should never try to do this. It is just you're going to Amen. pay for it. Amen. down the road if you if you go there. So, um, Marsha, what about horoscopes? And you, your background okay. is astrology. A lot of Christians still think it's innocent maybe to look at a horoscope. What does it say about my month when I was born or whatever? Can you uh, lay that out for us? Yes. Um, horoscopes, of course, are what we usually see um, horoscope columns in the newspaper or in magazines. Um, they're all over women's magazines. Hmm. I mean, almost every woman's magazine has some kind of horoscope <laughs> column, <laughs> usually for the month, because, you know, they, their, their magazines come out every month or every two months. And so they have the horoscope covering that time. Um, and some teen girl magazines, probably, pro- I think, well, I know in the past had them. Um, and so here the horoscope is kind of a watered down astrology, but it's still based on astrology because um, it's written based on the movement of the moon primarily because the moon moves very fast. It changes zodiac signs every two and a half days. And then so the moon's position relative to the zodiac sign and maybe to the position of Venus and Mars, Mm -hmm. which move... um, they don't move real fast, but they move, you know, they move faster than the other more outer planets. So a, a, an astrologer, whoever's writing the horoscope column, can look at where the moon is and maybe where Venus and Mars are. And then they look at, okay, so what does that mean for Taurus? You know, what does that mean for Gemini for the next two days? What does that mean for, you know, Leo, et cetera? And then they, they kind of put it together in some kind of little nugget form, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. <laughs> a, yes. little, a little piece of advice. And so basically you're looking at advice that's based on belief that the planets have some kind of meaning um, that impacts your life. And that that's what you're looking at. So if you're looking at the horoscope column and you think, oh, this is just kind of a fun, innocent thing, you know, like a fortune, a fortune cookie really is innocent. There's nothing occultic about it that was, invented actually i think in the united states it's like a commercial thing um you're kind of if you think it's kind of something like that it's not it's actually based on a belief in the meaning of the the planets having some kind of meaning 
um, an impact on your life. So you're kind of giving, you're kind of giving into it. You know, you're sort of opening yourself up to a belief in it because if you read it and maybe that day it happens to be right on target, um, then it would make you more curious to see, you know, then you'll think, well, may I want to see what it says. You know, the next day you'll be like, well, hey, you know, it was right yesterday. I want to see what it says today. And it may cause you to get interested yeah. and maybe eventually even maybe, you know, seek out an astrologer. So even though it's a watered-down form of astrology, it is still based on it. It is still, um, you know, basically based on, on the occult. And I think that you do not want to arouse an unhealthy spiritual curiosity by reading it. So I, I definitely take a stand on against, you know, don't, I say, no, it's not good to read that. Well, think about it, Marcia. Think about what people are doing. And I'm reading this thing online. The, the word horoscope is derived from the Greek words aura and skapos, meaning time and observer. And yes. rather than look or observing time and planets, we should look to the one who created time and who created the stars. But right. it's deception, right? right? Yes. The, the um, Greeks, um, the reason it's, uh, that it's the Greek word is because um, the Greeks were the first to use astrology for individuals. Up until that time, it had been used only for, like, rulers. Hmm. And, um, you know, the advisors to rulers, like the Magi, you yes, know, yes. used astrology. So, you know, they, they were the wise men for the kings, and they gave. And so individuals didn't go around, you know, trying to find out about their their astrological chart. <laughs> <laughs> the, ones are the ones, when they started adopting astrology, it was in the period of time in Greece when they were beginning to go downhill, and they started absorbing ideas culture cultures and they got it from the from the era culture which i'm not sure what it was called at that time but that's where it came from and they adopted it and they made it for individuals and so then rich greeks would consult astrologers after their child was born to get you know information on their child mm. and that's how it that's how it began so it came the greeks had came up with that word um and a watcher of the hour or watcher of the times, and that's what horoscope means. Interesting. Um, by the way, we have a link to that as well on your website. You've written so many articles on so many <laughs> topics, Marcia. Thank you. You're under under uh, articles is a great resource, and I want to mention this. We've got four minutes left in this segment, but the horoscope article that you wrote, horoscopes, is right under the Harry Potter books. And I just want to ask you, I mean, that the Harry Potter brand is, is worth billions of dollars. It kicked off, as most of us know, with books in the 1990s and now the movie franchise. And that has actually drawn children, kids into the occult. And what you were talking about earlier, uh, astral projection, would you talk a little bit about this is not innocent either, is it? No. And I, I, I took a, a stand on Harry Potter. Um, I mean, I had to when it started getting so popular because I was constantly asked about it. Um, and I, it was not, my stand was not very popular. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, I read I read all the books and I saw all the movies and I have articles on all the books and movies on my website for people who want to read the details. I documented um, the occult concepts I found in Harry Potter. Now, a lot of them are not, very overt. I mean, some of them are because, I mean, he's casting spells. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, he takes a class called divination, even though they make fun of the divination teacher, it's mm-hmm. still divination. Yep. Um, and God completely denounces divination. You can just go to a Bible website and like Bible Gateway and put divination in the search box and you'll, all these passages will come up. Um, and so, you know, he, he's actually practicing things that God has denounced. And so my, my thing was, you've got the hero of the book practicing things that God has denounced and forbidden. And so I don't care how much good he's doing or, you know, how funny he and his friends are and all the adventures they get into. You know, I understand that's all fun to read, but the, the whole thing is in the context of him doing these practices 
that God has completely denounced that are that are evil. These are these are like you know these are practices from Satan. Mm-hmm. These are things that God lists in Deuteronomy eighteen ten through uh, verses ten and eleven, lists all the practices of the occult, and casting spells is there. You know, yeah. uh, divination is there. You know, reading omens is there, and all these things are in the Harry Potter books. Some of them are even mentioned. Um, you know, Hermione gives. Harry a um, book for Christmas on arithmancy, which is actually another word for numerology. Hmm. And he's very, very excited. And I found a website. Um, I don't know who set it up, but it was all, it was supposedly, Hermione was supposedly running the website, and it was all about numerology. And so it was based on the fact she gave this book to Harry um, on arithmancy, which I think happens in the fifth book. So, you know, there was just there was just so much there. Now, I I realize there's a lot of fantasy as well. Yes. You know, flying on the little uh broomsticks for the Kidditch Quidditch or Kidditch game. You know, that's that's all fantasy. There's other fantasy. So there's fantasy elements mixed in with it. Mm-hmm. But then there's some things that are actually real occult practices. So that's what I was trying to point out when um I was talking about Harry Potter uh during that whole Several years, yeah. and now those books in, those books influenced a whole generation, yes. and I think they're influencing another generation because I think the children of the people who were influenced are now being introduced to Harry Potter. So it's you know I think it's hitting another generation, um, or maybe Generation Z, maybe the second generation that was hit. I right. think the millennials maybe were the first ones, and then the Generation Z gets hit by it. So you've got you know, this influence from Harry Potter that makes it seem, it de- what it does is it desensitizes the culture. Yes. And it can make, and it does cause an interest in some people. I know because I got emails from, I can, I can tell they were very young, um, asking me, like, how, how can they learn to do white magic? I even had emails from some uh, young people asking me if there was a school. They would just see my website. They didn't really like read anything on it, and so they thought I would know. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> maybe they cited articles on Harry Potter, and they would say, Gee, "Is there a school like Hog- Hogwarts I can go to?" Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm serious. I got emails like that. I had an email from a grandmother. She said, "I am a grandmother. I read the Harry Potter books," and she said, "I got interested in tarot cards." Oh my goodness! After reading them, and she said, "I'm a Christian," wow. and I started getting into tarot cards, and then the Lord, you know, kind of opened my eyes to what I was doing. Mm. She said, "I wanted to let you know that I I understand these books can be dangerous." So you know, I I mean, there is there was a lot of fallout, uh, negative fallout from Harry Potter, and I always say, you know, okay, just because your child read it and he or she is not interested in any of this stuff. That doesn't mean, number one, that there isn't some kind of effect on them, because a lot of times the effect is not visible. Right. Um, and number two, it doesn't mean it's not happening to other people. And number three, it definitely does not mean it's not impacting the culture, because it did impact the culture. It opened the door. Other publishers decided to publish similar books. And, and movies. They did. And now yep. we have a lot more books for young adults teenagers and children that have those kind of themes than we did before. Yep. We've got to take another break already. Marsha Montenegro is our guest today. Christian Answers for a New Age. And um, it was Spurgeon who said, discernment is not a matter of simply telling the difference between what is right and wrong. Rather, it's the difference between right and almost right. We'll discern Jesus Calling, written by Sarah Young. And uh, she claims she received messages from Jesus. That's next on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. So I want to read a quote from Pastor John MacArthur who said, When an enemy is seen for what he is, we are alerted and can be prepared to defend ourselves. But when an enemy poses as a friend, our defenses are down. Um, now, I want to share with you what uh, Marsha and I were briefly speaking about before we got back on the air, in that some people, when they hear this information, in fact, there may be some a, a small number of people who maybe shut off the podcast or shut off the radio when they knew we were going to talk about Jesus Calling. That says a lot to me 
um, people are often first to get defensive, and maybe that's not such a bad sign because the Holy Spirit, if you are a born-again believer, might be convicting you on some of these things. There is no new revelation. God's Word is enough. Marsha, before we get into this, just your thoughts on that. Um, I'm, I'm being convicted. Yes, and, and, and God's Word um, is enough. Yeah, I mean, yes, I think, you know, um, Christians who who... You know, obviously, Christians have the Holy Spirit, and the Lord can convict you. But I, I do think that you can ignore it if you want to, mm-hmm. yeah. and and you know, you can go on and do something and rationalize it to yourself, um, even if the Holy Spirit's convicting you. So we need to not just be aware of being convicted. We need to, you know, be, you know, we need to obey. Like, okay, Holy Spirit's convicting me that this is not good, so I need to just put this aside. Okay, so let's talk about Jesus Calling. Very, very popular. Uh, first release was 2004. Um, Sarah Young's writings, um, we are warning that they should not be seen as new revelation from God. The messages, uh, the author claims, uh, she received them from Jesus. Young tells her readers that the words are from God himself. And one, if you're a Christian, you would think, well, if they're from God, how can they not be inspired but the Bible is the only inspired word of God. Mm-hmm. So, Marcia, just take us into this and uh, however you want to lay this out and, and your concerns about Jesus Calling. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I had heard about this book for a little while before I looked into it, and I wasn't really clear on what it was. I knew it had it was a devotional, and I had I had seen a copy at a friend's house and just kind of briefly looked at it, um, where, you know, each day was Jesus, basically, it was like Jesus was talking. Mm-hmm. And um, then there would be scripture passages at the ba- bottom. So, so I finally, um, eventually, because it was just becoming so huge and she was writing other books, just decided I needed to look at it. Also, a lot of people were asking me what I thought of it. Um, so I got it and, and read it. And I also, um, ha- I happened to have a copy of God Calling, and this is very important because Sarah Young claims in her in the first edition. Now they took this out of the of the later edition. The tenth anniversary edition was different, and they removed some of the things that she had said in her preface or introduction in the first edition. And one of the things she said was that she was inspired to do this by God calling, which and she calls that book a treasure. That's her word, a treasure. Mm-hmm. Now, I have read God Calling, and I already knew about God Calling. Mm. And I, I, I tell people God Calling is not a Christian book. It is not Christian at all. Um, it was done by uh, two women who were involved in something that's called the Oxford Movement. Um, and that was a movement for part of what they did in that movement, which was over in England, was they sat with paper and with a pencil or pen and waited to, to hear words from God and then write them down. Hmm. It was kind of a kind of a sort of, I don't know if you want to say it was really cult, it was kind of cultic. Um, and I'm not saying the people involved were not Christians. Um, when I say God Calling is not a Christian book, I mean the content is not Christian. Right. I'm making no judgment on the two anonymous women who wrote it, because I don't know them, and I don't know what they really believed, but I can tell you the book itself, the content, because some of the things that they say God said, they have it written out as though God is speaking. And some of the things in there are absolutely not Christian. A lot of it is very much like what is called New Thought. And briefly, New Thought was a um, movement that started, really started in the 18th century, but it it really blossomed in the 1900s. Um, And... Uh, why say 18th century? 19th century was the 1800s, so it blossomed in the 1900s. And um, this is a movement that claims to be Christian. It's still a problem. It's still a big problem today uh, because because of the claims to be Christian and the use of Scripture, uh, because they do use the Bible and they do talk about Jesus and they talk about God, and because of that. It's very misleading and deceptive, and a lot of people get confused Yes, um, with some books that are actually New Thought. Um, for Emmett Fox is, is a big New Thought writer, and um, 
his material, some of it can sound Christian. If you really read it all, though, and read it carefully, you can see it's not Christian. But this is one of the problems, is this New Thought movement had a big influence on a lot of people. Um, it led to three churches, uh, Unity, the Christian Science Church, and the Church of Religious Science. Wow. And the New, and the new Thought movement's still around. I mean, it's yeah. still, it's, it's here. The New Age um, drew on the New Thought movement, so many of the concepts from New Thought are in the New Age, but I want people to realize that the New Thought movement and the New Age movement are still two distinct movements. They're not one and the same, but mm-hmm. they overlap a lot. Yeah. Um, and wow. an example of this, just to give people an idea of it, is Oprah. Yep. Oprah was influenced by New Thought, but she also expresses herself and expresses some ideas that are very New Age. But I would call her more New Thought than New Age. Okay. So um, this, they'll, and new people in New Thought will call themselves Christians. Mm. So um, this book, God Calling, is very deceptive, and I recognize New Thought uh, ideas in it. And this is what influenced Sarah Young. Now, if she was undiscerning enough to think that this book was a treasure, you have a big red flag right there, yes. even before you read Jesus Calling. <laughs> yes. Well, can we emphasize that, Marcia, that in earlier editions of the book, Jesus Calling, that Sarah Young described her inspiration for Jesus Calling on this about this God Calling book, and the references to this God Calling book have now been removed from more recent editions of Jesus Calling. There's a reason for that. Yeah, I and you know and 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 the, and and they did and they removed it without any kind of comment or anything. Yeah. So um, you know, <laughs> nothing to see here. Reading, <laughs> people, yeah, people reading the later editions aren't going to realize that she that she was inspired or or you know she followed the technique of God calling and what God calling is. And she also said in the you know they removed the words where she said she sat and listened. And got words from, and she said, well, I tested them to make sure, you know, I, I didn't want to write anything that would be something Jesus didn't say. And I'm like, well, how did, how did you, you know, how are you testing them? Exactly. And so, you know, I, there's so many problems there. But one of the main things I'd point out, instead of getting into the issue of, cause a lot of people say, okay, we, Jesus calling's wrong because you can't sit there and, and hear Jesus. Speak, and you get into the whole issue of can you hear Jesus speak? I don't get into that, okay? Because that's just you just go down rabbit trails with that. My main my main thing is this is what we need to do: is the character of Jesus in Jesus calling does that match the character of Jesus in the Bible? And the answer is no. And I actually did a talk at a women's conference at my seminary. Um, uh, several years ago, I think maybe it was in 2017, and I did a, a workshop on Jesus Calling, and that was what I emphasized. I said there were some charismatic people there who do think that they can, you know, have God speak to them and stuff, and I'm not going to argue with them on that. So I said, look, this is, I had in my outline all the ways the this Jesus and Jesus Calling um, conflicts with the character of Jesus in the Bible. Yes. And I said, so that I said, so we know it's not Jesus who's speaking hmm. because it, it doesn't match up with the Jesus of the Bible. There were several things that I, that I took out of Jesus calling on that. I do have two articles on my website. Uh, on, well, one article uh, is on my website. One article leads you to a blog um, on my the site, actually, of my seminary, the seminary I went to, Southern Evangelical Seminary. I want to give a shout-out to that seminary because it's an absolutely fabulous seminary. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it is not going progressive like so many seminaries. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> and they have a Bible college, too, so just so people know there's a, a good place to go. And um, so on their blog, I have I wrote a later article after the 10th anniversary edition came out, so I could write about how they took those things out. Um, I mean, you have Jesus saying, I mean, it's horrible things like, mm-hmm. um, he says things like, I was born, it was a dark night when I was born, and, mm. um, you know, I was like, you know, I had to be, it's basically like this self-pity kind of thing. And I'm like, what? You know, this is like, not Jesus, Jesus isn't self-pitying. Um, and, uh, all these weird things like, you know, God has to be at the center 
and you take and you take the higher road and this language is not this is not biblical no. language or biblical concepts so i um i think a lot of that came from uh she was influenced by the god calling you know book some of that language maybe seeped into it um as she wrote now then you have the problem of her writing this as though Jesus is speaking to her because she's claiming, if she's claiming it's Jesus, then it's supposed to be inspired. Well, she's taking the mantle of a prophetess then, right? And and she's putting words in Jesus' mouth. Exactly. She's putting words in Jesus' mouth. So when you read this, even if you say, okay, I don't really think it's Jesus, but I'm going to read it because, you know, it might be encouraging. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people have said they read this and they were encouraged by it, and good. that's why they like it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, yes, you can get you can get false encouragement. You know, you can just like you can get a false peace. You can mm-hmm. get false encouragement from these words because yep. they, they, they may sound good to you, and they may make you feel good, but you're, it's not based on truth. It's based on your feelings. It's based on a subjective experience that those words are giving you. And you can feel good from a lot of subjective experiences that are actually bad. So, you know, you can feel good from, from bad things. And that is, there we go back to the Satan disguising himself as an angel of light. You know, it's not just his, uh, an appearance, but it's an, it can be an experience. That seems good. So we can't base truth on experience, and we can't say because reading this made me feel good that it must be from Jesus, mm. you know, or it must be okay for me to read it. We can't say that. We have to look at the content, and we have to look at the content in the light of Scripture. And when you do that, Jesus' calling does not measure up. That's right. Uh, Marsha, we're, we're going to have to stop right there. We're going to have to have you back. There's so much more we could talk about. So, Lord <laughs> willing, if we can work out another date, that would be awesome. Oh, and, sure. Uh, yeah. So, God bless you. And I want to make sure that people are directed to your website, and that is Christian Answers for the New Age. Go right to her articles uh, page, and they're all listed out there, alphabetical order. Marsha, we are so thankful for the insight and the wisdom God's given you and the work that you've done. So thank you for your time. God bless you, sister. Thank you so much for having me. And I, I do pray this information was edifying and helpful for your listeners. Absolutely. Praise God. Uh, tomorrow we will have uh, Jelaine Appling on the podcast. We're going to hear her story again about how after Wisconsin Family Council was attacked by arson and the pro-abortion activists, she said... We will not back down doing God's work and standing for life. You'll hear that story from Julian Appling. If you haven't heard that one in the past, you'll uh, check it out tomorrow. Plus, uh, next week, we've got a lot of great guests coming up. Um, E.W. Jackson on Monday and more throughout the rest of the week. Thank you for sharing these podcasts, friends. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. 